This is Living Faith, the podcast ministry of First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. We are located at 100 North Lake Avenue. Our Sunday morning services start at 1045 a.m. Sunday school is at 930 a.m. You can find out more information about First Baptist Church at fbcap.net. You're listening to our current Sunday morning series, Who Are We? chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. There should be two things on everybody's mind right now. One's kind of spiritual, one's not. One is baby Jesus, that Christ was born. We celebrate that birth today. The other one is Christmas presents. We think about Christmas, and there are a lot of things that we think about. I do think about uh, gifts. I know that uh, depending on where you are in life, uh, when you're younger, you don't you don't have the means to give, but you love receiving, and, and there's an excitement and joy of receiving those gifts. And I think sometimes as you get older, you still may receive, but a, a lot of times you get excited as you become older of giving gifts to those that are unable to give, especially your children and, and grandchildren. So today I want us to look at Luke chapter 2, and I want us to consider this. There are some great gifts that are available because of Christmas Day, and those gifts are so clear and pointed out to us in Scripture this morning. Luke chapter 2. Beginning in verse 1, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up to Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field and they were keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the angels said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the great gift of our salvation. 
through your grace and mercy, you've provided a way, a way that we may know you and experience you, honor you and worship you. You've made known a way of forgiveness and peace, and that way is through Jesus. So we thank you for the gifts of Christmas, Lord. And I pray that we will understand them afresh and anew this day as we have gathered as your people to worship. And this we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I believe that there are four gifts that we can see from the text this morning. And so let's look at those first few verses, verses 1 through 5. I think this gift is one that holds everything together. This first gift is the gift of God's providence. Now, as we read the text, we begin to see things beginning to take place and falling into place in order to get Jesus to Bethlehem. Now, the great thing about God's providence, now the word providence is not, you can't look in your, your table of contents or your concordance and find the word providence and turn there, but the word providence is kind of a, a theological word that basically means that God is God. And that God had, had created the universe, he has created people. And the word literally means that God is taking care and guiding his creation. So early this morning, a lot of times what I do early in the morning before I preach is it's kind of one of those things that as I'm thinking through the text, I just I thought about the word providence and I just wrote down John's definition. Now sometimes I do that and I think, well that sounds pretty good. And then sometimes I do it with an eraser and say, that doesn't sound good. But here is... John's definition of providence this morning. God's providence is God's care and guidance over his creation, his people, his, his world, his earth, in order to accomplish his intended goal. Do you know in the very beginning there was a goal, communion with God? And you know at the beginning in Genesis there was a thing that got in the way of that. You know what that thing is? We might say Satan, but what is that thing? Sin. And so since the beginning, there's been an issue between God and man, and that issue is sin. And so God's intended purpose from the very beginning of creation is redemption. And I love that word redemption because redemption is the idea that something is made right. We are made right with God through Jesus Christ. Isn't that a great gift? And so the, the gift of, of God's providence is the idea that God is taking care and he is guiding his people, his creation, to accomplish his intended goal. And while he is doing this, he is also manifesting his glory and his greatness. Now that definition and the word providence, the idea that God is in control and God is leading and God is guiding, we can understand that. But I think sometimes as people, we understand something, but I think we fail to embrace it. As we live life, and we all can do this, so you know, we can even begin to reflect on this. Isn't life this way? You, let's take Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph are doing exactly what they think they need to be doing. And they, they're faced with choices. Things are working around them. They're, they're faced with constant choices and decisions they need to make. Uh, I've got a, a betrothed wife that is not my wife, but she's going to be my wife. She's pregnant. There's a choice. We know from Scripture that legally and rightfully and biblically and, and from a, a Jewish standpoint, Joseph could have very well have said, you know what, I don't know what you've been doing. 
but what you've been doing is not right. If you're, if you're great with child and we're not married, he could have legally divorced her and moved on. But he didn't because an angel said, no, this, this is God's plan. He had a choice to make. He, he had a decision he needed to make. How would he respond? The government says you need to go to where you were born and you need to go to where your lineage is because we're doing a taxes. So the government steps in and says this is something you need to go as a legal citizen. This is your responsibility to do. Well, Joseph could have said, listen, I'm trying to, listen, I got a, a pregnant woman, wife that I love that's not mine. I don't, you know, this is kind of hard to explain. The last thing I want to do is be out in public. But the government says I need to do something. So I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to do it. And they went to Bethlehem, and they went to the inn, and the inn was full, and they go there, and they, they have these this, this constant decisions to make. In life that way, we go through these decisions. Uh, one of the greatest uh, struggles I had, as silly as this may sound, one of the greatest struggles I had in my life was where to go to seminary. Now, that, that may seem so insignificant right this second, but I could not decide where to go to seminary. We've got six great options as far as Southern Baptist seminaries, and my choices were Southern Baptist seminaries, and all I wanted to do, have you ever just wanted to be in God's will so bad that you're afraid to do the right, wrong thing and you don't know what the right thing is? And you just pray about it, and you pray about it, and you pray about it. And, you know, you know God's going to lead you, but it's just agonizing. And I just agonized for months over where to go to seminary. And, and we visited this, we visited that. So, we, you know, the, the one place you ever said this, I will never go there. The one place I said I would never go is where I needed to go and where I went. Now, I say all this to say this. We go through life's choices, and as we're making these choices, they're difficult, they're agonizing. We're, we're concerned whether or not what's going to happen if we do this or we do that. But then once we get to the other side of that choice, how many of us can say this? God was all over that. We can, we can look back and see the hand of God over everything that's taking place. Sometimes we look at where we are, and we realize in order to be where we are, we had to go through some things we didn't realize we needed to go through in order for God to prepare us. Now, when we're going through those things, we have no idea what God is doing, do we? But once we come through them, we realize God was always there for me. The providence of God is the idea that we are His, and He loves us, and we are His creation. And in the world that we live in, he's got one common goal, redemption. Bringing men and women back into a relationship with his glory and his goodness that our sins can be forgiven and his greatness and glory can be manifested to the ends of the earth. That is his common goal. And nothing is going to get in the way of him accomplishing that goal. That's encouraging to me. Because as I look out into the world we live in, I still have many more decisions to make, don't I? I'm not in heaven yet, right? Some of you are younger. Some of you are even younger. And you think about all the decisions that lay ahead of you. And what if I go here? And what if I go there? What if I don't do this? And what if I'm going to marry? Who am I not going to marry? What if I'm never going to be married? Take a deep breath and receive the gift of God's providence. Let me share with you some scripture, and I think you'll understand this. 
Jesus was born. I mean, so here we go. We got Mary and Joseph, and I don't know the exact details of it. I've got a manger scene, so I'm going to go with that. They're sitting there, and baby Jesus is in the manger. We got sheep and goats and wise men, and everything's going on around there. And they're sitting there, and they're looking at this. And I know Joseph has to be thinking, what in the world is going on here? And God in heaven is saying exactly what I wanted to go on here. Let me share with you some scripture. I'm going to read some statements and then give you the reference to this. The Messiah would be the seed offspring of a woman and would crush the head of Satan. Genesis 3.15. Genesis 12.3. He would come from the seed and offspring of Abraham and would bless all nations of the earth. Here's God's plan in the very beginning pointing toward Christ. He would be a prophet like Moses to whom God said we must listen. Deuteronomy 8.15. Micah 5.2, what city would this Savior be born? He would be born in the city of Bethlehem of Judah. See, I keep trying to tell you, quit getting so worried about the government. God's got the government. He uses the government to do exactly what needs to be done for his goal and his glory. God is up in heaven saying, you know what? I've already decided he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Quirinius? We need to register everybody from their lineage. Next day, what do you what Corinthians do? I make a decree. Everybody go to where they're born. Where did Joseph go? Bethlehem. Where did Micah 5.2 say that Jesus would be born? Bethlehem. Isaiah 7.14, he'll be born of a virgin. 2 Samuel 7, he would have a throne, a kingdom, a dynasty, a house, starting with David, that will last forever. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and he will possess an everlasting kingdom. Zechariah 9, 9 through 10, think about the triumphant entry. He will enter into Jerusalem on a donkey, righteous and having salvation, coming with gentleness. Christ coming into the Jerusalem on the triumphant entry on a donkey. It's God's plan and his providence. Isaiah 53, 5, he would be pierced for our transgression and he will be crushed for our iniquities. Here's where the Pharisees and Sadducees missed it. Here's where religion missed it. They knew a Messiah was going to come. They just missed that it was a suffering servant. They forgot Isaiah. Isaiah said he's going to be a suffering servant for our sin. It came to be. He would die among the wicked ones, but he would be buried with the rich. Isaiah 53, 9. Psalm 16, 10. He would be resurrected from the grave, for God would not allow this holy one to suffer decay. Daniel 7, 13 through 14, he would come again from the clouds of heaven as the Son of Man. Malachi 4, 2, he would be the Son of Righteousness for all who revere him and look for his coming again. Zechariah 12, 10, he is the one whom Israel one day recognized as the one they pierced, causing bitter grief. Those first few verses of, of the birth of Christ and the Christmas story is the great gift of God's eternal plan and purpose. Do you know that God still has an eternal plan and purpose? And we are part of that eternal plan and purpose. 
One of the great things about us as individuals is that God has an eternal plan and purpose. And this is where it gets exciting to me. Sometimes, we, sometimes the things that we don't understand, we don't get very excited about. I believe this with all of my heart. God has an eternal plan and purpose. When Joseph, that angel came to Joseph, there was nothing that Joseph was going to be able to do or not do for Jesus not to be born in that manger in Bethlehem. Do you believe that? There's nothing that he could have done that could have changed what God was going to do. But everything that Joseph decided to do, he was responsible for deciding. We have a God that has an eternal purpose and plan, but and yet every one of my decisions comes with consequences. That's hard to wrap your hands around though, isn't it? But it's not. I can rest in the fact that God has an eternal plan and purpose that I will never change. But at the same time, as I love him, as I follow him, as I worship him, as I obey him, every one of my decisions comes with consequences. They may be consequences of blessings. They may be consequences of of discipline. But nothing is going to thwart God's eternal plan of righteousness and glory and redemption. So we can take a breath, okay? We're going to enter into a new year. And sometimes we enter into a new year, we think, I am so glad that's over. 2017 is going to be different. Yes, it's going to be different. It's going to be a new opportunity to you to live for Christ and to worship the Lord. It doesn't matter what the promises we make. It doesn't matter what, you know, resolutions we want to try to do. The main thing to realize is God has got an eternal purpose and plan. There's a providential God that is guiding and caring for his creation that he loves greatly. And we can be part of that as we follow after him. That's a pretty good gift, isn't it? That God is a God that loves us and cares for us. Verse 6, and while they were there, the time came. I don't, I don't know when I always say this. I don't know when I did this. And in red, I circled, the time came. That's incredible to me. I mean, if there's ever a, a Shekinah glory, if, there, if, 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 the, if the stars were ever a little brighter and the moon a little brighter, if there was never, you know, have you ever just felt the, 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 this presence of the Lord in a service or something that takes place and you just get like, whoo, I bet there was some wooing going on in that manger that in that, in that stable that night. The time came. There's another gift. The gift of Christ's birth. I don't know and understand and uh, you know heaven's heaven's a great place and there, there's angels up there and there are things going on in heaven that if we could see and I always say this if we could see what was going on in heaven it'd scare us to death. Can you imagine what happened in heaven now? I don't know how many, what's the word I'm trying to think of here? Sometimes we as Baptists can be a little tight in our worship. We'd rather be a little tight than be too loose, right? Amen? We're going to err on the side of tightness and we don't want to get too crazy. I guarantee you there was some hooping and hollering going on in heaven when Jesus Christ was born in a good way. 
I mean, you want to talk about the choir, you want to talk about worship, you want to talk. Can you imagine the Old Testament saints that are in heaven because of what Christ was going to do, but yet had not been fulfilled yet in his birth? Can you imagine Abraham looking down from heaven and seeing Christ born? Can you imagine Noah and Moses and all the saints looking down and seeing Christ born? They knew that the gift of Christmas was that Christ came. Now you want to talk about a gift. He came. He came, Hebrews tells us, he came to destroy the the power and the bondage of death and the law that Satan had. He came to destroy that. His words himself, he came to seek and to save that which was what? Lost. He came to give life. He even said this in John's gospel. He comes to give life and life more abundantly. That life of of that void, that life of no direction, that life of no purpose, that that life of eternal separation between our God and Creator. But you remember when Christ rose from the dead and the the disciples were in the upper room? Remember the first words that came out of Christ's mouth? Peace. He came to give peace. What a great word. Peace is a lack of conflict. Do you realize that today, if you will call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have truly repented of your sin, placed your faith in Christ, your greatest love of all this life is the Lord Jesus Christ, and your greatest desire is to honor and to worship and to glorify Him in a personal and a real way, do you realize that that is where you stand with God right now? You have peace that passes all understanding with the God of all creation. The providential God of all creation that has had a plan from the very beginning and we're part of that plan. That gets kind of good to me. I've been part of that plan. That's a great gift. The gift of God's providence, the gift of Christ's birth. Look at verses 8 through 14. In that region there were shepherds in the field And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Now, again, we just we take for granted what's going on because we've read this so many times. I, even as I'm reading in this translation, I'm actually saying in my brain in the King James Version. They were just out in the field, just shepherds out in the field. Can you imagine? They're just out there. They don't know what's going on. And the angels come. Another gift that we see here is the gift of heaven's announcement. Notice what verse 10 says. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What were they announcing? They were announcing this. The glory of the Lord is with us. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day a a child is born. Unto us a child is born. Today it is God. Don't miss this. Emmanuel. God what? God with us. Where Christ stepped out of heaven 
and lived among men. A perfect, sinless life. Teaching, modeling, and guiding us. Pointing the way of eternal salvation. He came. Notice what this coming is. It is the good news of great joy. A lot of things may get us excited. A lot of things get us, you know, even Christmas gets us all a little excited, doesn't it? Think about Christ and what the gift of Jesus Christ is as our, our Savior. And even it's even sad sometimes we even differentiate between the who Christ is. He's Savior. He's Lord. No, He's Savior and Lord. It is good news of great joy that Christ is our Savior. He forgives us of our sin. He can, do, he can do what we cannot do, forgive us of our sin. So he forgives us of our sin, and he gives us a relationship with God. In, in some circles, that Savior just simply means acknowledging that Christ has done something and that I'm saved. And in some church settings, it's kind of silly to me, then they say, well, the, the whole Lord things come later. I never have understood that. If he is Savior and he has forgiven me of my sin, then naturally he needs to be the master and Lord of my life. It's not he's Savior and then he can be Lord later or he, he's Savior. And I always, I always pick on guys because I am one. Plus, I never have been able to figure out what a woman thinks, so I know what guys think. Preacher, I know that I've been saved, but I, I got some stuff I'm doing now, so I know that I'm saved. I grew up going to church. I know that I'm saved, but my life is a wreck, and I'm trying to get some things in order. And when I get things taken care of, then I'm going to start coming to church, and I'm going to be a good Christian. Okay, Pastor? And I'm going, you got it all wrong. He is Savior. He's already cleaned you up. Quit trying to do it in the flesh. Quit trying to do it on your own. He is Savior and Lord. He saved you. He wants to be the Lord of your life. He, is, he, is, he died so that He can be Lord of your life. Your master and your ruler, your greatest treasure is the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing should be more valuable than your relationship with Christ. And adoring Him and worshiping Him. Yes, as you do that, naturally you are serving and obeying Him. But it's because of who He is. A silly little example, and I'm beginning to see what this is going to be like. Grandchildren. Why do you act the way that, when I watch you as grandparents, why do you act the way that you act? This, well, that's my grandchild. I even tell mine, you know, the, the first time I, the, my mother kept my children, they were little, I come in like in the middle of the day, true story, I come in like in the middle of the day, and they're eating like cookies and ice cream at like 3 in the afternoon. I was like, I told her, I remember telling Brantley and Emily, it's a trick. Watch out. The beatings are going to start in just a moment. She never feeds anybody ice cream. I took beatings for eating ice cream at three. And she's like, you leave these precious little children alone. They want ice cream. We'll have ice. I'm like going, what in the world? Did you get mom? Did you get saved? What in the world going on? I should take beatings for stuff like Well, that's different. That's my grandchild. 
silly example. But when you understand Jesus is your master, as your savior, you want to kind of be his, your master because of who he is in your relationship. It's not, well, let me get this done. I, he's Savior. I go to church. I remember, again, a, a gentleman came forward one Sunday, and I was so excited. We've been praying for him. He come forward. He said, Pastor, I want to you know, I I go ahead and join the church and be baptized. I want to profess Christ. And we're like, yes, one of those Sunday mornings you're crying because you, you've been praying for him. And then I went from crying to really crying because 10 minutes later, he, he turned around and told his wife, well, I hope you're happy now. Will you get off my back? Just check the box. He just checked the box. Jesus isn't a box we check. If he is your Savior, then let him be your Lord. Cherish him. Love him. Serve him for who he is. He came He came to bring great news of what? Great joy. You always hear me say that. When we have Jesus, we do have joy. We live in such a difficult day and so many things happen that are outside of our control. And you know the things that are outside of our control is what absolutely saps our joy. Don't let it. Love Jesus. And know that he is the same God that orchestrated his birth in a manger. It's the same God that's got you in the palm of his hand. He came. A Savior who is Christ. Joy, notice in verse 10, he brought great joy that will be for all people. Who is the gospel for? The ends of the earth. I say this often. I don't think Jesus has skin color. You know, I do think that Jesus, I'm being very careful here. He was from the southern kingdom. So he may sound a little southern when we get to heaven, maybe. Everybody makes fun of southerners when you get to heaven. It may all sound like me because he's from the southern kingdom, amen. That's, that's no spot for that in this message. As I look around here, we're so different. As I look around the world that we live in, think back to those mission videos and those countries and those skin colors and those economic, those upbringing. The gospel is enough for all people. I mean, Christianity is not an American thing. I know some countries feel that way, that a American Christianity is a Western culture. No, it's a world culture. There's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that we have done that excludes us from the gospel. Yes, people reject the gospel. Yes, people are going to go to hell. Yes, people are going to go to heaven. Not everybody's going to heaven. Not everybody's going to hell. I don't know who they are. They don't know who that is. We don't need to worry about that, but I do know this. Jesus Christ was born in a manger, and it's great joy for all people. You may be sitting here today and think the gospel is not enough for you. Maybe you're sitting here today and you think the things that you have done God could never forgive. Maybe even as a believer, you're here today and your life is at a point you think, because God, yes, God can. And he will if you'll allow him to. It is great news for all people. A Savior is born, Christ the Lord. We have God's providence. We have Christ's birth. We have heaven's announcement then we have the shepherd's praise this is probably my favorite 
passage of this whole story. We have the shepherd's response, the shepherd's praise. What do we do with the gift of Jesus? I remember when our children, when, when you first have your first child, it's something about those first children, those first child. It's like we have baby books for Brantley and Emily, and they're just filled in pictures and wrote in all of them, and I think we have two or three entries for Bryce. It's just like Bryce found it one day and went, y'all didn't write anything with me. And I said, listen, when Emily hit the ground running, we were so busy with her, we couldn't do anything else. Bryce, you're good. But I remember that first Christmas. That, that, you know, you as a young parent, and you know, that true story. I would like to qualify that. I can see Brantley right now. We, we bought the gift. He opened up the gift, and what did he play with? The box and the wrapping paper. So being the shrewd guy I am, I told Sharon, put that away. We're giving that to him next year. <laughs> if he doesn't even know what it is, he we'll, we'll, buy, <laughs> we'll save a little money on that. Just buy. So if you got small kids first Christmas, I told uh, Matt and, and Anna Lane, buy boxes. Just, they don't know. They won't remember. Think about the gift of Jesus Christ. Think about the gift of Jesus Christ, and just for the sake of, of now, think about it as an object. And we have the gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of our forgiveness of sin, the gift of God with us, the gift of reconciliation, the gift of redemption, the gift of peace, the gift of life, and someone has handed that to us, and we supposedly have responded and received that, and it's a tangible object, but we take that, and so many of us take that gift, and we go, thank you, and we just push it off to the side and treat it like it's just something else. When I get all my things in order, then I'm going to take that gift back. When I do what I want to do, I'll take that back. When I get knocked so down low, then I'm finally going to reach for that gift again. He is worthy of our honor and praise. It is the gift of life. The greatest gift that we have is the gift of Jesus Christ. Notice what... The, 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 the shepherds did. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go. Now there's, there's something about a, a call to Christ. It, it takes obedience. We need to be very careful. I think we live in a day and age that we need to be real careful of not putting expectations and rules and things on people. A call to Christ is a call to fellowship. He told the disciples, hey, drop the nets, follow me. From death to life, to blind that can see, he's calling us from something to something. He told the shepherds, here's what's going on, go and see. Let us go. They, they heard and they believed. I, I hear the message of Christ. I believe it is for me. I hear the gift of God's providence, Christ's birth, heaven's. I believe that. I hear it. It is for me. And they went with haste. They didn't take their time. They didn't do other stuff. They became the most important thing in their life. They, they believed and then they began to, to trust in who Christ is. 
I don't know what you're walking through, but the Bible says that we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, bad things and circumstances, it's a shadow of things. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Keep hearing. Keep trusting. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that has been told them concerning this child. They began to share what Christ had done for them. You know, you think about gifts. I think it boils down to this. I think about having kids or friends. Somebody gives you a gift and you wonder, I wonder if they'll like it. You know, you're, you're buying a gift for someone that you have a, an emotional connection with. I wonder if they'll like it. You know that. We know the answer to it. We worry about it ourselves. We know the answer to it. If someone that you love and you care for gives you something, it don't matter what it is. Even if it's a gag gift, it doesn't matter what it is, do you? It's enough. One day I'm going to be sitting in the nursing home and my great-great-great-grandchild is going to come up to me. He's going to be like two weeks old. There's going to be a car that got the papa. And that little great-great-grandchild is going to take his little pen like we always do. And they're going to hand that to me and I'm going to say, this is enough. It's enough because I know who gave it to me. It's enough because I knew why you gave it. I think the shepherds said this. When they saw Christ and they left and they were proclaiming what they had seen and what they had heard, I believe they said this. Christ is enough. I don't need to know anything else. I don't... I, I don't what are these wise men? I don't know. What is I don't know. What's going? Who are Mary and Joseph? I don't know. All I know is the angels proclaim the coming. There's been this peace. Can you imagine? We I've heard people say that when you're a shepherd and you're out in the field and you're thinking all the time. That's all shepherds do is keep their eye on the sheep and they think all the time. And there's this void. There's this relationship. There's this law. There's this relationship with God. And they see Christ. They understand what Christ is. They saw Christ the Lord in person. And I think they walked out of that manger and they said, Christ is enough. We need to be able to say that this morning. Christ is enough. I don't need anything else but Christ and what he has done for me. There's no greater gift than what God has done in order to bring us Christ through his providential planning, heaven's announcement, Christ's coming, the shepherd's praising. It is enough. Quit searching for everything else. Quit seeking after everything else. It's this simple. He was born in a manger and he lived a sinless life. And he walked this side of heaven. And at the appointed time, he suffered and died 
as a suffering servant on the cross for our sin. And on the third day, he rose again. And he walked some 40-something days investing in the life of those he's called. And then God took him to the right hand of the Father. And since that, he has sent the Spirit down upon us. He has sent the Word of God down upon us. He has brought the church upon us. And his next glorious act of redemptive history will be that he will come again. It is enough if we'll allow it to be enough. One of my favorite chapters in Revelation is Revelation 4. They bow down and they worship Christ the Lord. And if you read through Revelation, the, the call is, who is worthy to open up the scroll? Who is worthy to bring my people into heaven? Who is worthy to usher in the millennial kingdom? And you know the answer, Jesus is worthy. The baby born in a manger, he is worthy. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our obedience. He is worthy of our love. Is he worthy to you this morning? Let's stand as we pray. Lord God, we love you because you did first love us. Unexplainable what you did for us, but yet you did it. Lord, you are so worthy. What a gift. The gift of forgiveness, the gift of grace, the gift of life, the gift of peace. The gift of provision, the gift of guidance. Lord, all that you have given us through your birth, life, death, and resurrection. Lord, let our life be worthy of that gift. Let us hear, let us receive, let us trust, let us live. For your glory, your honor, and your praise. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.